Thanks for listening to the Woodward Podcast Network. Check out more shows by searching for us on Spreaker or wherever you catch your podcasts. The Woodward Podcast Network with Krupka Dental Associates. Hello, this is Dr. John Krupka from Krupka Dental. We now have the Saleo Laser. You can have your fillings done without needles nor drills. We are a full-service dental office and always accepting new patients. To learn more about me and my friendly team, visit KrupkaDental.com. Focus Fox Valley on WHBY, I'm Haley Tenpass, joined by a familiar voice to the program, Nate Baldwin, Recreation Programmer with Appleton Parks and Rec. Hello to you, Nate. Happy 4th of July Eve. You as well, Haley. Thanks for having me in. Yeah, lots to talk about today, a lot to cram into this 4 o'clock hour. Always great to have you. For folks who might not be maybe familiar with kind of our monthly chats, Sure. share a little bit quickly about who you are and what you do with Appleton Parks and Rec. Yeah, so I am the uh, Recreation Programmer uh, in charge of youth sports at Appleton Parks and so um, this has been an awesome opportunity to, for me to come on and kind of explain um, some of what we do in uh, in the youth sports world and how we are trying to serve the needs of the community. But it's also a great opportunity to kind of talk more on a, on a national scale and talk about some of the uh, issues and topics that come up on a national level and how those impact the decisions and and uh, decisions that we make here on the local level. And it's it's amazing to see you know, how connected all those issues are and how those play out on the local scene as well. It's always fun to talk a little bit pop, pop culture with you a little yeah. bit. We'll get to that in a bit. Um, we're also going to, I think, touch on, uh, you've got the fall uh, catalog sitting in front of you yep. already. Hot off the press. Yeah, yep. that's crazy that we're thinking about fall already, but these are how things go. Fall and winter, I hate oh, to say. Oh, okay. All right. You know, <laughs> although some of those cooler days, not sounding too terrible. No, I shouldn't absolutely. say that. I shouldn't say that. It's, it it's a hot like one out there. It seems like we've barely gotten into summer, but yeah, it, in the uh, recreation world, we've got to think like six to nine months ahead, which is... Uh, challenging at times when we're just getting used to the idea of wearing shorts and sandals but uh yep here we go hot off the presses and it's time to start thinking about um uh, what to participate in and what to register for uh, come the fall months. Well, I know one uh, one activity that people might be thinking about a lot right now is soccer. Yeah. With all the excitement of the Women's World Team. Definitely. Go Team USA playing Sunday in that final. Very exciting. It's really exciting. And, um, you know, every time there is a World Cup, we always see a surge in interest in soccer. And um, what's great about soccer as a whole is that, there's, in my opinion, there is no better sport for a kid um, – to learn and be a part of organized sports. Soccer is fantastic. The The concept of soccer is relatively simple for a young child to grasp and understand. The The skills and strategies they're going to learn in this game are translatable skills. So, yes, they're critically important to their soccer success, but they also translate to a, a ton of different sports. And uh, the physical still skills they're learning and developing um, by playing soccer are going to empower them in whatever they choose to do, which is awesome as well. So, Soccer is one that I push a lot, especially for young kids. You know, a lot of a lot of parents their first their first thought of getting their their child into into sports is in America is probably what it's baseball, mm-hmm. t-ball. Mm-hmm. Um, but in reality, it's very complicated to teach a child the abstract rules and concepts of baseball. So, uh, in contrast, you know, soccer um, th- those kids make those connections really quickly, and um, it makes sense to them and. They learn that they're they're actually playing the game. They're not just following instruction, and uh, that make, makes it exciting. It's it's fun to see um, fun to see these kids getting creative on the field, trial and error, exploring. All those things are critically important to how they develop, just as an individual, but also as an athlete. So soccer is fantastic. And then when we have a World Cup on top of it, there's always a surge that we see. Last year, uh, the men participated in the World Cup. We saw a definite surge from that. Um, 
we saw the largest spike in soccer participation in the time that I've been here. That's great. Um, and I, on my way into the studio today, I went and just stopped by my office quick to check our numbers for this year, and we're right on track with where we were last year. So that surge has continued now uh, into this year uh, with, with the ladies competing for um, a championship on Sunday. Yeah, and I would also probably argue that it's a good, uh, good sport for parents maybe to get their feet wet coaching-wise because... I mean, when you're coaching littles in soccer, it's a pretty simple yeah. concept. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, we start simple with all of our sports, whether it's basketball or baseball or soccer. You know, everything starts very simple at that four, five, six-year-old uh, age group. Um, and then we, we add on layers of complexity as the kids get older. So we, we definitely have an end point in mind. You know, by the time that, that six to 12-year-old uh, range is really important because that really helps. Um, that, that's really the, the phase that's most critical in terms of a child's um, physical development, but also their emotional development. And so we we have a strategy that's kind of built around that. And you know we want to make sure that by the time that child is twelve years old, that they've obtained you know the skills and and the confidence in those skills to then make a decision about what they want to do with that activity, um, whether that is play competitively, which is great. They will be armed and ready to go forward with that pursuit. Um, but also if they decide uh, they, they enjoy this activity on a recreational level, they're going to have the skills and the confidence in those skills to play for the rest of their life recreationally. And that's awesome too. And a lot of times we diminish that, you know, we, we tend to send a message in our culture that if, um, if you're not able to play a sport at a, at an extremely high level, that it's not worth pursuing. True. And so we've kind of put down the gauntlet on that and said, you know, this is, that's not a message we want to perpetuate. In fact, we want to perpetuate an opposite message that there is still value in participating, whether you are accomplished or not, and that this will enrich your life you know, for your entire life. And so I hope that that comes through in our programs, and I think it does. It's supposed to be fun. If it's not fun, what's the point? Exactly. Um, yeah. And we say that a lot, and I, I say that kind of tongue-in-cheek, but you know, there's, there's a logic behind that, too. Um, and I think we lose that logic sometimes. We we focus on the wrong things. We uh, we, we get distracted by you know maybe the uh, the competitive dreams and ambitions we might have had for ourselves at one time, and now we project those onto our kids. Sure. And I think we we see moments of that um, positive and negative sometimes uh, uh, come up in our culture. So for parents who maybe want to get their kiddos involved in soccer, registration happening now right now? Now is the time. Okay. I know it seems like we've just gotten into <laughs> summer and we're talking about a fall activity, but I need time to form rosters and put schedules together and train our coaches and things of that nature. So we're actually down to our last three weeks of registration. Um, the We have an early bird price that is good through next Wednesday, July 10th. So we have an early bird deadline coming up on July 10th where uh, your child can save $10 on their registration fee. And then our final deadline is on July 24th. So three weeks from today is when uh, when that cutoff is. Uh, we'll take that whole batch, divide them up into teams. I'm expecting probably in the neighborhood of 80 to 90 teams this year, which is uh, just gives wow. you an idea of how large this league is and how popular it's become. Um, and then come August, um, we start rolling with practices in late August. So it, it will... It seems like a long way off, but it will come quickly. And if you want your child to be involved in that now, now's, now's, the, uh, now's the time to get them registered. Give them something to look forward to. Definitely. Absolutely. All right. Talking with Nate Baldwin, Recreation Programmer with Appleton Youth Sports Park and Rec Department. Nate, you know, you've done a lot with this Appleton Park and Rec Department, and it has been acknowledged by some of, of the big dogs in yeah. the youth sports world. Tell us a little bit about what you're going to be doing in three months that has to do with Project Play. Yeah, absolutely. So just a little history on that real quickly. Um, so last year, about this time actually, um, 
we were recognized as what's called a Project Play champion. So Project Play is a um, an initiative that was founded by the Aspen Institute in Washington, D.C. And Aspen Institute is a um, uh, nonpartisan, nonprofit uh, organization that um, basically tries to uh, promote awareness on 13 core initiatives uh, that they have identified. And one of those is getting more kids involved in sports and getting more kids um, obtaining the benefits, both physical, uh, social, and emotional benefits um, of participation in sports. And they've done a lot of they, – they're, they're a leader in research on this topic, um, and they've put forward a strategy on how organizations like mine can um, push that ball forward, no pun intended, but uh, get more kids involved, get more kids access, overcome some of the common access barriers that we uh, face, like uh, income barriers, um, geographical barriers, um, quality instruction barriers. You know, th- there are some organizations who you just put throw the ball out there and let the kids go. Very little being done on coach education, things like that. So they have a very clear strategy that they have promoted heavily uh, through the years to get more kids in the game, quote unquote. Uh, so that's an organization that I followed very closely on a personal level and a, and a professional level. Um, and we have equated a lot of those strategies into how we deliver our program. And so. Um, What's interesting is that our program through the years has has really defied national trends. There's a national trend uh, of decline in youth sports participation overall as you know youth sports becomes more elite, more exclusive, things of that nature. Uh, and we have really run counter to that trend in in highlighting inclusion as a positive virtue, not a negative virtue uh, in in taking skill development seriously and training our coaches seriously in taking our cues from the kids about what they want in a youth sports experience. These are some of the strategies they put forward, and these are some of the ones that we've embraced. So in embracing those things, our our program has grown by nearly 100% in the last five years in terms of total participation. Uh, some of them, like basketball, for example, is up almost 130% in wow. the last five years. And we see similar increases in soccer, in, in uh, youth baseball, uh, and in youth flag football. Um, all of those things are attributable to the core values that we've adopted, uh, and we let those guide our way. You know, those are the things that lead all of our decision-making in terms of how we run our youth sports program. Um, and so last year we were recognized as a Project Play champion. So this was a national-level recognition. We were the only municipality recognized um, across the country. So this little town of 75,000 people, uh, the way we're delivering youth sports here locally was, nas- uh, was nationally recognized as a model for how to offer uh, youth sports programs uh, in other municipalities and other communities. Um, so following up on that recognition last year, which was incredible and unexpected and uh, appreciated, uh, frankly, but following up on that, I was approached this summer um, to be a uh, to actually lead a session at the upcoming uh, Project Place Summit, which is in Detroit this year. Um, but this is their annual gathering of youth sports leaders, thought leaders, uh, supporters. Uh, so just to give you an example of who's in this room, uh, last year, uh, at last year's summit, you know, these are executives from Nike, Under Armour, ESPN, NBC Sports. Um, Kobe Bryant was a speaker. Wow. Um, Tony Hawk was a speaker. Those are some recognizable uh, names. Yeah. These are the people, uh, Jackie Joyner-Kersey was in the room. These are the people that are in the room trying to learn more about how to how to how to push systematic change in youth sports. And so... Um, 
to say I'm honored to have the opportunity to speak in front of a room like that, it would be a huge understatement. But this is also a, a huge honor to be able to take what we've done here in Appleton, uh, promote it on a national stage, and hopefully, I think this is the ultimate goal, hopefully inspire you know, countless other communities to take what we've learned here and some of the strategies we've used here and have an impact in their community. Because what it's really all about is getting more kids involved in sports, getting more kids uh, reaping the benefits physical, social, emotional, educational uh, from their involvement in sports. And uh, I, I hope that's I'm, – I'm super nervous about it. I mean, <laughs> as soon as they as soon as they called me to invite me to do this, I mean, my heart rate increased about 100%. But um, huge honor, and I, I can't wait to – I can't wait to do this. It's going to be uh, um, an awesome opportunity. Well, I can't wait to hear how it goes for you and what yeah. a great recognition for, for Appleton and for the people involved in all of those youth sports yeah. programs. So congratulations on that honor. That. We have to take a break, but I have a question for our listeners before we go. Do you know how many parks there are in Appleton? Have you visited all of them? Could you say you have? Well, there's a, a father-son duo that's doing something very cool, and we're going to talk a little bit more about that when we return. So stay, t- stay with us. More of Focus Fox Valley coming back on WHBY. We are back with more Focus Fox Valley on WHBY. I hope you've been thinking about the question I I brought to your attention a few minutes ago, all about our Appleton parks. We're going to give you a little more time to, to think it over about how many parks the city of Appleton has. Um, and while we're thinking about that, we're going to welcome back Nate Baldwin, the recreation programmer for youth sports with Appleton Parks and Recreation. Hey, Nate, welcome back. Hi, Haley. All right, so I want to uh, go into our pop culture segment here because what we do sometimes, we bring in maybe what's happening in the national spotlight mm-hmm. to to the table. Right. And there's a story that's been circulating over the past couple of weeks that is kind of frightening, to be honest, and alarming if you're a parent or the parent of an athlete. But it's the uh, parents' brawl over a 13-year-old umpire's call yep. at a youth baseball game. And police, they said they are disgusted. That was the CNN headline, and yeah. it was all over national news in a couple of weeks in the, in the last couple of weeks. Truly, yeah. And interestingly, this happened in a community where I spent ten years of my life, in my early professional life as well. So this happened in Lakewood, Colorado, which is a, um, a suburb of Denver, which is where I kind of cut my teeth in the uh, sports industry. So. This one hits close to home for me, and it is disgusting. And this is what happens when the entire system falls apart. You, you see a, a situation like this. You know, when, you know, like every time we talk about the youth sports industry or what's happening in youth sports and, and news nationally, it, it almost always seems to revolve around um, adults kind of wrecking what would otherwise be great mm-hmm. if it were just left to the kids. And I think this is another example of that. Um, so for for those who didn't well for those who were under a rock for the last three weeks, uh, just real quickly, uh, there were there were two teams, uh, seven year old baseball teams. So this is coach pitch, um, seven year old baseball teams uh, competing, getting towards the end of their season, um, and the only person there, quote unquote, in charge was a thirteen year old umpire. There was no other um, official league influence there at the game. And somewhere along the line, it was it was discovered that one of the kids, one of the seven year old kids, had batted out of order, and so the uh, the umpire was having a quick discussion with one of the uh, with one, with one of the coaches. Uh, a parent was getting frustrated with the delay, sitting behind home plate, uh, said something rude to the coach, and the coach responded with a um, choice four letter word in front of a bunch of seven year olds. 
and uh, the other coach tried to intervene and, and kind of protect the umpire, and Coach A took a swing at Coach B, and it was on. And uh, that's how quickly it can all fall apart when the adults present don't have the best interest of the kids in mind. Um, obviously, you know, there was a lot of conversation. There was a lot of, you know, there, there was everyone, you know, in so, our social media culture, everyone feels the need to take an instant stance without recognizing the nuance of each situation. You know, that's, that's an age old story these days, but, um, you know, really what it comes down to is this was a failure of the parents. This was a failure of the organization on a massive scale, which I'm extremely sensitive to running, you know, running a program, uh, on behalf of an organization and uh, there were just there were so many things that could have could have changed the outcome. Um, talking to some friends and, and acquaintances that are from that area, just kind of getting the inside scoop uh, on a few of these things. Uh, it turns out that these two teams had played before uh, in the season, and things got chippy earlier. Uh, and one of the parents, in fact, had called ahead to the league commissioner uh, to give him a heads up that things got a little nasty the last time. You might want to send an adult this time to keep control of the situation. And the organization completely disregarded that and sent this 13-year-old into the lion's den, literally, um, to deal with whatever the outcome was. So the fact that this was the outcome should not have been all that surprising. And in fact, as as occurs in many cases, could have been prevented with the proper oversight, um, the proper um, parent education, the proper coach education. And I think the, the league as a whole really failed these kids on a massive scale. It does not excuse what the parents did. Sure. And, in fact, many of them are facing charges because of their role in it. But um, thinking like a league organizer, a lot of this could could have been prevented and, in fact, should have been prevented. And, you know, what we've got now is uh, probably in the neighborhood of 25, 30 kids who um, are traumatized by the experience of seeing their parents take swings at each other. Um, I even saw a pregnant woman in the middle of that um, fracas which is pretty incredible um so you got you got a a large group of seven-year-olds who now are traumatized by this experience and you know may not want to play baseball again and in fact you know may not want to play organized sports again if this is how it's going to be of all the adult failures uh a a neat side story was that this 13-year-old umpire was actually invited to attend uh the Colorado Rockies game as the personal guest of one of the umpires this past week who was from Colorado. Really? And uh so he got to go, you know, behind the scenes and he got his own umpire uniform and invited onto the field for the national anthem and everything. And he had a quote um during the day and I just wanted to read the quote real quick because I think this is more insightful than any adult quote from that day. He said, This is a thirteen year old, remember I don't want this to be all about me. It must have been really scary for the seven-year-olds seeing their parents on that field. Uh, his name is Josh Cordova. Uh, Josh Cordova said as he sat in the Rockies dugout, I don't want them to have the idea that baseball is like that. I want them to have the idea that baseball is a great game, and I want them to love the game. So this 13-year-old has so much more insight that is in line with what youth sports are supposed to be about than any of the adults showed in yeah. these last three weeks. and. If there's any redeeming quality of this, it's that, you know, at, at least at, I hope that that's the voice that comes through and this is how they move forward. I hope that those that were in charge that um, really disappointed the kids, I, I, I hope that they learned a, a powerful lesson from this and that they get to control the narrative. They can control the narrative and they can control expectations and behaviors and that it's not just their responsibility. I would say it's their duty to do so. Or you're letting those kids down. You're leaving everything to chance. 
You're leaving everything to whatever agenda a coach brings in with them, a parent brings in with them, and you're creating a volatile mix that will explode if you're not careful. And in this case, it exploded. I'm happy to hear that follow-up from this story because we obviously saw the spark in the national media and and local media, too, uh, of this story. But you very rarely hear what maybe happened afterwards. And I'm so relieved to hear that that 13-year-old wasn't, you know, maybe seriously affected by the disappointing situation that that occurred. I don't think there should be a temptation to think that this is a recent thing, either. I Mm -hmm. see a lot of comments on social media about how, oh, parents these days and, you know, we're taking it too seriously. (laughs) This has been going on for decades. Um, A quick story. I I was a 15-year-old at one time in my life. It seems like a long time ago. It was, but I was a 15-year-old umpire at one point in my life, umpiring youth baseball games. And I I remember clearly a situation where I was on the field by myself with no other uh, adult representation of the league around me. It was getting dark. The game was going long. Um, and we reached a point where the kids could not see the ball anymore. These were probably 9- or 10-year-olds, I'm thinking, at the time, but um, they could not see the ball anymore. So I made the difficult decision to call that game. While it was tied, because it was getting dark, it had become unsafe, you would not believe the venom to which I was met at that point. I had parents rushing the field to confront me, trying to get my name, yelling at me that they're going to report me to my supervisor. I had to, to, you know, I was as a... um, smart-mouthed 15-year-old, I was saying some things back at that time, which I kind of regret now. But uh, I had a coach literally had to get between the parents and me, turn me away, and walk me back to uh, my ride home. Um, This was almost 30 years ago. This is not a new phenomenon. Uh, Parents have always gone overboard. Um, Organizations have always... uh, misunderstood what some of their responsibilities are in providing the proper atmosphere for our kids. Um, And like I said earlier, when you put those um, individual elements into a a volatile situation like that, they will explode from time to time. And so I, you know, I have my own personal story. Luckily it never came to blows, but I want to dispel the the myth that this is new. This is not new. This Mm. has been going on as long as sports have been going on. There are people that will take it too seriously and that will forget what this is all about. And so, you know, I bringing it all full circle, I hope that what we're providing here uh, on the ground in Appleton with our youth sports program is a reminder of what youth sports should be about. It's supported by the numbers. It's supported by the outcomes. And this is not just about um, a healthier sports outlet for kids. This is actually proven uh, to um, set the stage for better athletic outcomes in the end. The kids who experience youth sports in this way go on to accomplish more and for a longer period of time uh, when this is when this is the experience that they have in the youth sports level. All right. We're going to leave it at that because I want to highlight something really great that's happening in uh, the Appleton Parks and Recreation Department. And we're going to bring it back to that question we asked earlier this this afternoon about how many parks there are in the city of Appleton. And the reason I ask that is because there is a father-son duo uh, who is out there on a mission to yeah. visit every single one of those parks. And we don't have too much time to get into it, but sure. I, I, I shout out to Blake and Keith yeah. who have gone to six so far of 29. Right. Wow. Yeah. So they barely made a dent, but this has been a really fun story. Um, 
we we noticed this family uh, posting their adventures uh, earlier in the summer, and we reached out to them after a couple of weeks to see, would it be okay if we shared this story on our yeah. social media? And so we've kind of been following their adventures, and I think they, they, they love the fact that we're highlighting this, and I think it's a great example for other families. Um, but, but Blake has some... Um, Blake has some uh, some challenges, uh, and this has been an awesome way for his family to connect with him, um, to connect him with the outdoors and connect him with nature, and he is just eating it up. And a, a really fun side story to that is uh, the family actually popped in to visit us uh, last week and uh, while they were while they were at Memorial Park, in fact, and uh, gave us a chance to meet them in person and, and, and talk to each of them a little bit more about their adventures. And it's been a fun story. So it's, you know, it's, it's, on our, it's on our Facebook page. Follow along. They send a ton of great pictures every time they visit a park. And it's, a really, just, it's just really good insight into what, and, and a reminder even to those of us that work there, what great amenities we have yep. here in Appleton and uh, how awesome our park system really is. Yeah, so just maybe join in the challenge and uh, see how many yeah. parks you can get to at the end of 2019. There's a lot of them. You gotta Absolutely. you gotta really have your 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 strategy in place before you start this process. So yeah, Nate, have fun with it. Nate Baldwin, we always appreciate your your insights and your voice in the youth sports world. So thank you once again for being here. Of course, if, love, love, I love coming in to talk about this stuff. I could talk all day. So thanks for having me in. And if people want to follow up with you or or get in touch with the youth sports department, how can they do that? Sure, definitely. Um, so all of our information, so including the fall programs I mentioned earlier, registering for soccer, uh, information about our park system, all of that can be found at our new website, which is appletonparkandrec.org. The name, the title isn't new. The web address isn't new. The website is new. Um, if you are an Appleton resident, you should also check your mailboxes. Chances are by now you've already received your fall and winter activity guide. Lots of great information in there. Um, but, yeah, find us online. Uh, you can even call in and ask questions if you'd like, 920-832-5905. All right, Nate Baldwin, thank you very much. Thanks for having me. We're taking a break. This is Focus Fox Valley on WHBY. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.